right. Episode 3, Channel 79 Podcast. Once again, we have Vince, T, and Troy. Listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, anything else cool that has podcasts. We're on it. Find us, like us, share us, tell your friends, tell your dogs. Dogs like us, too. Yeah, um, if you're listening to this, you've already found us on those places. So that's right. Like so, Vince said, tell your tell your friends and definitely tell your dogs because they're probably sitting home all day thinking I gotta listen to something. So I want to listen to Vince T and Troy talk about stuff. That's right. We're dog friendly. We had a we had pet finder shout out last week. So yeah, we did. No sponsorship money yet though. That's right. Still waiting for that check. Adopt, don't shop. I think was the tagline of last week. All right, you can follow us on Twitter at Channel79Pod. Um, that's the only social media we're on so far. Maybe when we get a little deeper, we'll get Instagram and all that other fun stuff. Uh, you go to the website. and If you go to Twitter, the, the link to the website's there. Uh, T, maybe we can put up uh, our predictions of the card on there. Yep, week, working sometime. on it. All right, yeah, so check that out. This episode, we're going to start it off. Um, bringing, bringing in what we talked about last episode, uh, what we ended with, the Kentucky Derby. Our Louisville insider, Alex, ended up picking the winner correctly and always dreaming. And the weather kind of opened up for our, our insiders there, Jeremy and Alex, a little bit once the derby started kicking off. That was nice. Um, I know I placed a uh, box trifecta that that didn't hit anybody and i don't i don't think i don't know t did you end up placing any bets yeah i placed a 20 dollar bet on gormley to win uh gormley did not win he was on the edge the whole time or he was on the outside the whole time he kind of made a move there uh towards the end but i don't think he ever got <clears throat> he might have got to fourth for like a you know half a second and then they the the you know always dreaming obviously pulled away and so that bet did not go my way at all. Yeah, that's for sure. Definitely cost. Well, I don't know if it cost me some money, but I didn't win any money. Uh, so we'll have a we'll have to keep a lookout for the Preakness here in a couple of weeks for the second leg of the possible triple I crown sh- again. I should just mention though that my bet was free because Jeremy Gordon shot a ninety-one at Valhalla, so. He owed me twenty bucks. All right, that is another uh, wrapping up of Little. the storyline of the last last episode as well. All right, uh, for turn events, we have um, the Cavs Warriors both swept conference semifinals. It's looking like they're gonna be show or they're gonna. It looks like they're going to be matched up again in the finals for a third straight year. Um, depending on what happens in the next couple of days depending in the Spurs Rockets game which is tonight and that series is tied 2-2 two to two as of right now and then tomorrow the Wizards Celtics which I think are also tied 2-2 two two, is that right? Yep tied 2-2 two two, going back to Boston Alright um, any predictions in those other semifinal series anybody? I think that I don't know. So I want I want the Spurs to win. I think the Rockets will win, and I want the Wizards to win, and I think they'll win. I just I don't know. I think the Wizards figured out how to guard Isaiah finally. Uh, last two games he hasn't really played well, and 
uh, John Wall's kind of had his way, and I I really want to see Wall and LeBron in the uh, Eastern Conference semifinals uh, or Eastern Conference finals, and I think um, I think that just gives the best the the better viewer you know viewership because it's star against star in Wall versus LeBron. Um, obviously, I think the Cavs will probably win that in five, um, but I I don't think that. The Celtics as a team are better, but I don't think that they have that one star. And it's kind of, to me, it's kind of hard to watch without a star. It's a star-driven league, so I just hope it's Wizards-Cavs. And then, like I said on the other side, I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be Houston Warriors. Um, but I want, I want it to be Spurs Warriors. I'd like to see um, Kawhi, you know, sort of take that next step and get into the conference finals. So. Yeah, definitely John Wall is definitely the the best non-Cavalier left on the east side anyway. That would be a good matchup as far as ratings go. Troy, what's your thoughts on the Spurs? I know you're not a big fan. Well, hopefully they lose the next two tonight and (laughs) the next game. But honestly, I could care less because I would rather just see the Warriors and Cavs as soon as we can. Uh, The rest of the teams are irrelevant to me. I mean, who doesn't just want to see LeBron go back at it against them? There's all these other teams are just like it doesn't matter. I'm with you. I I wish they would just skip right to that series. Yeah, yeah. I just, think just, I think just say, you know. I think uh, I think LeBron and the Cavs have the same feeling as us. Just skip right to the the finals every year. <laughs> I think it would have yeah. been cool just to have like what it would it be like a 16 game series, Cavs and Warriors. <laughs> that'd be that'd be nice. That's I think, an idea there. <laughs> I think that the NBA probably hates that the Warriors and Cavs are sweeping because that's less games that they get to televise and less box office that they get to sell. That they're probably hating this, but you know, it's been NBA is kind of irrelevant. We knew when when KD went to well, even before he went to the Warriors, like you just imagine that it's going to be Warriors Cavs again. They're going round, th- you know, going for round three to see who's going to be, you know, who can take that top spot. And I know the NBA's f- the NBA is fun to watch during the regular season, but it's like Troy said. I mean, the playoffs are irrelevant. We knew what was going to happen. So especially with both of both teams going in healthy, you know, there's there should be no excuses when they meet up as long as they stay healthy throughout the next round. Yeah, definitely. I think is like KD going to the Warriors. If LeBron wins or loses, it doesn't even matter. Like, I think he sealed his legacy last year, coming back from 3-1. If they beat KD and the Warriors, then people are going to say he's the best ever. And I think it'll be a better case against it. But if they lose, it's going to be like, oh, they lost to KD and Steph, two top ten players in the league, and then Clay's not far behind. So, I mean, LeBron's winning either way. If he wins or loses the finals, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree as well. It's definitely, possibly the, the greatest matchup ever since I've been watching basketball. That's for sure. KD and the Warriors, and LeBron and, and his crew in Cleveland. Um, if that indeed is the finals matchup, we'll probably dedicate a whole episode to exactly what we were just talking about there. I mean, I know I. All three of us who talked for hours about that, so we can break that down. Um, 
another thing taking place on Sunday, Mother's Day, is also um, Sunday, Mother's Day. It's also Derek Jeter's in the Plaque Game Monument Park, which is, you know, as big of a deal as it gets as far as Yankees go. I mean, that's basically their Hall of Fame out there. Uh, number two will be the last single-digit retired for them, and that'll probably be the last number retired for a while. I don't know if the other core four have, but those will probably be gone too. I know um, I grew up a Yankee fan. I Derek Jeter is probably the, my favorite athlete of all time, if not right up there. Um, so it's kind of a special moment for me. I mean, I had a lot of special moments, you know, watching him throughout my my lifetime, the things he did on the field, um, all that. I mean, I could name all the great things he's done, all the five World Series championships, uh, hit a home run for his 3,000th hit. All, I mean, I could go on forever about it, but um, as far as T not being a Yankee fan, I don't just hear your thoughts on Jeter and the ceremony. Yeah, I think it's <clears throat> I think it's appropriate. Um, like Vince said, Derek Jeter's tore my heart out probably more than any other player in baseball. Um, and if I'm being honest, I think he's probably the best, I don't know, middle infielder of all time. Uh, I don't know. I guess an argument could be made for Cal Ripken Jr., but I really like Jeter. He's the only person out of the Yankees organization that I really felt that way. And he's probably, to me, the second, for my money, the second most clutch hitter that I've ever seen play. And obviously I haven't seen in you know earlier than the 80s or 70s but he's right up there with uh david ortiz in my opinion as being one of the two best clutch players and it's kind of unique because the yankees and red sox had that rivalry for so long and you know if you were ever to mash up the teams and just build like an all-star team like you, you could take on the field of the mlb during the 2000s and they would have the best team easily by far. So it was so much fun to watch those those two go at it for all those years. And <clears throat> um, I think we've kind of, at least for the last couple years, uh, baseball's really missed that. And I think that, you know, we pr- we might not even see that again, you know, for a long time, two teams that are that good and play that many times and have that rivalry. So... I, 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 you know, <clears throat> Jeter, uh, just again, Jeter's just one of the best players that um, I've ever seen play, and that's pretty much all I'll say about it. Yeah, that's uh, that's high praise coming from a Red Sox fan for sure. Uh, just touch personally on Jeter. I mean, all the stuff he's done on the field, off the field. Um, great player, great person. Uh, he got married when he retired, you know, living in. St. Petersburg there, just living the life, being retired. Um, I know he's been in the news lately with his possible purchase of the Marlins, which is interesting. Um, I think he could definitely be successful doing that. I know he had uh, tremendous admiration for the Steinbrenners and and, uh, the boss, the old Yankees owner before he passed away. I know he was, you know, probably one of his favorite person other than his family, so I think he could Harry Steinbrenner's legacy down there in, in Miami, and I, <laughs> our our boy Bo's a Marlins fan, so maybe if that sale goes through, we'll get him on to talk about the future down there. 
I think the only the only other thing I'd add is like you were saying off the field is correct me if I'm wrong, but the only like even sort of scandal or any I don't even want to use the word scandal because that's too much is like he had that like little tax evasion thing and it which was completely bogus and bullcrap. Oh yeah, that's but the, it's like it was well, yeah, it was like I, I don't even know if it was like a uh, like a criminal thing or even anything like that. I just yeah. know like people were saying he. He uh, claimed his residence was in Florida to avoid New York taxes or something like that. But I don't, I don't think it was criminal or anything like that. I just think it was just, you know, but, just people talking. But yeah, yeah I mean, he's, the, he's he's kept his nose clean. He kept his his body clean, as far as we yeah. know. I mean, obviously, he never failed a test. He never even came up in any of those reports that you always saw. You know, mm-hmm. back in the day, all them reports coming out with a hundred names on them. He never was connected to them, so. You know he's he's kept mm-hmm. clean in the pr- probably the dirtiest of all time. You know the dirtiest time of all time in the sport. So get it handed to him there. Yeah, I think that's that just that's just my point though. That like when you're at the top for as long as as long as he was and in that city and on that team, everybody's gunning for you, and everybody's you know they're gonna try to poke holes in your history and your background, and nobody's been able to do it. And that just says a lot. I think it just says a lot to his character. I mean, I know we've been down this road again where all of a sudden our childhood heroes, you know, something comes out. But I don't know. I think he's just been a model citizen and player. And he has obviously the respect of all of his peers. So that just says that alone to me says a lot about who he was and who he still is. And like I said, one of the greatest players. So. Yeah, I agree. He's definitely, you know, one of them, one, probably the highest character athlete of our time. I mean, LeBron's right up there as far as we go. You know, he's, his story's not done yet, but as far as we know, he's still up there. Um, high character. Um, and just like I said, on a personal level, I know Jeter's had a, a an impact of w- what I did on the baseball field when I played. You know, I, I wore the same number because of him and all that kind of good stuff. But, it, you know, he had that an impact on on me on the field, an impact on me in, in life. He's just a, a good guy overall and a good guy to take, you know, take what he's done and try to put that into your life, at, you know, in any way you can. Um, so congratulations to him. That'll be an exciting Mother's Day up there in the Bronx. I believe, yeah. that's, in, cr- I believe that's on ESPN. So um, I believe the ceremony starts at 6. I don't know what time coverage is going to start, but definitely tune into that. Yeah. And a career 300 uh hitter in the postseason i mean if that if that's not clutch then i I, if that's not clutch i don't know what is i mean that's ridiculous he and it's not like he played like two games you know i think he's had like 700 plate appearances so he's basically had like a full season plus of plate appearances in the postseason and he batted over 300 i mean that's just that's ridiculous yeah i was just gonna say his postseason is basically a full season um, I remember them talking about that. It must have been, you know, late later in his years. And then, obviously, how he ended his his, uh, his career in Yankee Stadium, I believe the last, I don't know if it was the last time he was there, was his last game. I don't know if he's been back yet, maybe for an old-timer's day. But, uh, I mean, we all remember his walk-off hit there in his last at-bat in Yankee Stadium. So, like I said, that'll be a, a definitely an emotional and exciting Sunday night in the Bronx on Mother's Day. Uh, the Penguins Capitals going to a game seven, which I believe is Wednesday. 
uh, probably on NBC Sports, probably 7.30. Uh, I know... Um, NBC Sports... I know, personally, Game 7 in the NHL playoffs is some of the best the best TV there is, so definitely tune into that if you're not doing anything else. I, Troy, you got something? I just wanted to add, like, the Pens played terrible last night. Like, that was the worst hockey game <laughs> I've ever watched. But, uh... Even though they got their ass whooped, if you watch that game, you still see Crosby in the first and second period. He's freaking diving all over the place. And you don't even hear Ovechkin. You don't even see Ovechkin on the ice. And I think Crosby's by far the best player in the world. And I I think showing, seeing how the Pens played so bad last night uh, just shows how good the Crosby is because you still see him diving all over the ice, unlike Ovechkin. You don't even hear or see him on the ice. Yeah, the, the Crosby-Ovechkin dynamic is, has been played out. And it's kind of, you know, Sidney Crosby definitely the baby face of the bunch, and Ovechkin is definitely the heel. I mean, that's kind of how their dynamic plays out. I personally like Ovechkin better, but... Well, I mean, that's, some, <clears throat> some people like to cheer yeah. heels and boo... Uh, I think that's just anti-Pittsburgh coming out. Ovechkin's the Peyton Manning of hockey. He's great in the regular season, (laughs) and he hasn't... Even Peyton won one, though. Yeah, two. Yeah, he won two. And Ovechkin, if he wins tomorrow night, it'll be his first time he's passed the second round. He's like Carmelo Anthony as well. Irrelevant in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, that Capitals team has probably got to be the most disappointing franchise in the last five years you know just because of all the hype that they have going into the playoffs and they always just suck and lose i mean i i can't think of another franchise that in any sport that's done that i mean i know there's teams like the clippers who have made it to the you know <clears throat> made it to the nba playoffs and then fizzled out but you know they were never expected to win anything and the capitals each year it seems like they get in there and they're expect you know they have great regular seasons like Troy said and they're expected to do something in the playoffs and then they get in there and they just get upset in the first or second round. Yeah, it's like Washington D.C. in general. Like the Nationals are supposed to be in the World Series every year and they choke every year. Same with like the like the Wizards. Yep. John Wall goes there. They haven't made it out of the second round either. It's just the uh, I don't know D.C.'s cursed or something. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's a curse of D.C. So that'll be an exciting Game 7, which I believe is in, in Washington, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that'll be a good Game 7. Tune into that Wednesday. And I also believe the Capitals had the the best record in the regular season. So tough matchup. That should be a good game. Um, I'm rooting for the Penguins. I guess Troy's rooting for the Penguins. And T's not rooting for the Penguins. So you can I'm definitely rooting for the Capitals. Take, take that how you want it there. I don't. I don't know who's favorite. If they, I don't even know how you even favor a hockey game. But I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, I would be. I would just say that. Um, that well, the Capitals are definitely favored. I guess if they're um, home. The Capitals would be favored. Yeah, I mean, they're, I'm looking at the line right now. Oh. Their their money line's minus one eighty, so they're definitely favored. Um, but I would just say that I don't really watch that much hockey. I just Pittsburgh sports is not my scene, so. I'm very yeah. anti-Pittsburgh on pretty much everything. Yeah, I don't watch hockey either. I watch as much of the playoffs as I can, and I'll watch the Penguins if they're on. 
Yeah, to me, playoff hockey and Olympic hockey are completely different things. But regular season hockey, I just, I, I don't, I don't have time for that. Yeah, <clears> just, yeah, I feel the same way. It's a completely different, completely different game you're watching in the playoffs. And uh, yeah, so tune in to Game Seven on the UFC card, UFC Two Eleven, live from Dallas, Texas, the American Airlines Center. Uh, maybe Mark Cuban will be it. Maybe Mark Cuban will be ringside there. Who knows? I think he's I heard one he's of the fighting fights. Trump. Oh, Mark Cuban! <laughs> oh, that'd be that'd be the main event right there. Oh yeah, that'd be the main event. Trump versus Cuban. Let's get it on uh, one of the UFC cards coming up here. <laughs> UFC two fifteen, maybe that'll be on. Dane will put it on if it if it makes sense. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, UFC two eleven Saturday night live. From uh, Dallas, Texas, two title fights on the card. Uh, very, very strong main card, pay-per-view card, and a pretty decent uh, FX card with Eddie Alvarez coming off the loss to McGregor on the preliminary card. And then, uh, so there's four on that preliminary card on FX, and then you have the fight pass card, obviously with five more fights. So that's a heck of a night of fights on Saturday. And this past Saturday. We saw not a very good fight. Different kind of fight, I guess. Canelo Alvarez versus Julio Chavez Jr. I know T watched more of that than I did, so he's going to tell you how boring it was. Uh, Yeah, it was very boring. <laughs> I I just, I don't know. Uh, to me, it, I watched it, and it just proved to me again why the UFC has taken over you know combat sports and boxing is still boring i know there's other factors that go into that because you know ufc is a an organization and they set up the fights and boxing kind of is a bunch of micro promoters that that you know they set up the fights themselves and so you never really ever get the top fighter fighting the top guy which is a little bit disappointing in boxing but <clears throat> to me this boxing match was um just just really boring and it, it felt a little bit like it was a setup and I don't mean it I don't mean that in the ter- terms of being fixed but like <clears throat> Triple G was just sitting ringside and like Canelo was picking apart Chavez and Chavez wasn't really fighting him it just felt like they were there to get a payday and promote the next fight which is going to be you know Canelo versus Triple G and that's just the way the impression that I got from it was um, <clears throat> Chavez Jr. and Canelo got together and said, you know, let's have a big, you know, Mexican Super Bowl or the it was the Super Bowl of Mexican fighting or whatever. And let's each take a, a nice little payday home and we'll have Triple G sit ringside and whoever wins that, you know, he can sort of challenge. And I think the whole time from the start to the finish Canelo just came out and you know he just picked apart Chavez Jr and Chavez Jr just you know took it <laughs> i mean it, that that's the best way i can say it is it was a very uninspiring fight by him and i was bored out of my mind watching it <clears throat> and i don't get that way usually when i watch ufc fights now there's always once in a while where you know like Cormier i think his last fight before the Anthony Johnson one where he, he had a limited time to prepare you know he just kind of t- 
tackled the guy to the ground and laid on top of him the whole fight, which is very boring. But um, I think boxing proved why, you know, they they showed why the MMA is just taken over and is much more exciting. Yeah, I got. I, I watched a couple of rounds of the fight, and Canelo was just picking him apart. Uh, Chavez, you know, his dad's obviously a legend, and he he stepped up. He took a took a fight out of his out of his class. Really, Canelo outclassed him, outboxed him. You know, picked him yeah. apart. It was a heck of a heck of a performance by Canelo, but the the competition wasn't anywhere near the level of his. Yeah, his and I I think that the the weight class thing is. I, I mean, I know it's important to fighters, and but I just think that it's a little bit blown out of proportion, both in um, boxing and MMA. I mean, you see guys all the time jump weight classes. Sometimes they jump two or three weight classes, or they cut two or three weight classes. Like, it used to be, to me, it seemed like it used to be somebody who was in a weight class, and they fought in that weight class. They didn't jump as much. Now, it just doesn't seem like it matters that much to fighters, so... I, I always give I always find it hard to give people credit now for jumping up or jumping down a weight class because it seems like they do it all the time. So why should I place any importance on it if they don't even care? Yeah, that's just my feeling on 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 it because you see it all the time, where especially in the UFC, where people jump up two or three weight classes, and it's like if you're going to accept that fight, then I don't want to hear after the fight that oh this isn't my regular fighting weight it's like well then don't take the fight i mean nobody forced you to take a catch weight fight so if you're gonna take it and lose i don't want to hear anything about it <clears throat> yeah it's definitely uh, i mean as far as you, i mean well for boxing i mean there's so many weight classes you can move up and down super yeah. easy i mean there's a weight class for every weight pretty much but in the ufc um i think it's more of a big deal i think it would be, I think it would be beneficial to the sport, to the UFC to maybe add a few extra weight classes, um, to maybe, you know, limit people cutting excessive amounts of weights, you know, almost kill themselves to make weight. I don't think that really needs to be part of the sport. You know, maybe down the line they could figure something out, but there's really no answer for it right now. Um, yeah, I uh, think these just, guys... Well, I mean, I was just going to say, as far as weight classes go, I believe today the UFC announced a uh, 125 women's weight class. Um, I know they broke some news earlier, but I think they just confirmed it again today. And there will be a ultimate fighter for to kind of introduce that weight class, I guess. Yeah, I think they should have. Uh, yeah, I think they should have added that weight class before the straw weight, like 115, because. I mean, how many fighters are there going to be at these weight classes? I know the women's uh, featherweight 145. That it's like I don't even know how many fighters there are, and like the champion is like might vacate the belt for some reason. So I don't know. They're adding all these women's divisions when they don't have that many legit athletes. I think you've seen that with uh, Ronda. I mean, she was dominant, but in reality, when you look back on it, who was she actually fighting? And then once she did fight some top-notch people, she she got her ass whooped. I agree, yeah, and I think uh, I'm just gonna hit on the just on. The, I agree as far as uh, adding the new weight class. I think uh, you know a lot of 115s will probably move. You know, probably stop cutting too much weight. 
maybe a couple 135s will drop down. So I, I don't know if that'll hurt it as much as it should. But as far as the 145 class goes, they pretty much made it for Cyborg, who cut too much weight her first fight and then turned down a couple fights because she said she couldn't cut weight. And then I don't know what the heck happened with her. She, I think she finally ended up with a fighting her agreeing to fight your anime i believe but i don't even know if that ever happened but i think the 115 class for the women is is strong i don't know if you know the 125 class will take some talent out of that but yeah that's my uh, you know they're definitely gonna have to go out and, yeah, they're definitely gonna have to go out and get some talent that's for sure yeah that's my only problem i think they'll just uh i honestly think if joanna champion when if she wins this this weekend i think she's gonna bump up the 125 and she's gonna be a two-weight world champ for sure so, uh, I don't know, I just, they should have made 125 first and then maybe 115 second. When was 115 introduced? I, I it was probably like three years ago. Uh, they had an Ultimate Fighter okay, show. So, yeah, so it's the same same scenario as 125 today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So it'll be, it'll definitely be an interesting shake-up to the women with the four divisions. T, get in now. <clears throat> yeah, I just think that it's, the more champions you have, the bigger the money grab is. I mean, people like title fights. That's the bottom line. And I think that the more you the more you add, the better your you can sell it. And you know, UFC now being bought by WME Entertainment, you know, there that that company is all about being entertaining and. It, you see some of these people who are coming up in the UFC and they're getting all this great publicity and um, they're, they're sort of not the best fighters at the time. Um, I know, I think it was Brandon Schaub um, was talking about it and he basically said that uh, a lot of these fighters, you know, back in the day, they were getting 30, 40, 50 fights as an amateur and some of these people now are being on the main card and they're only 9 and 0 you know so they've only had nine professional fights and they're going up against people who have 20 or 30 fights under their belt and some of these guys just don't know how to fight yet and that's just something that you learn through experience and learn through camps and when you think about it um <clears throat> they're but they're making WME is going to make all this money off the entertainment factor and i think one of his biggest you know points of it was yeah paige van zant has a bunch of skills and but what she has better than ufc skills or fighting skills is marketability and they pushed her too soon and that doesn't mean that she can't be a great fighter but down the road they're going to look at her and they're going to say oh you have five losses you know you're only 10 and 5 but what would have happened if they would have given her lighter competition to build her up, um, and then she could have been 15-0, and 0, and then she could have had the experience to fight some of these people. So, you know, I'm kind of on, I'm kind of on both sides of it. Where, yeah, it's nice to have the entertainment factor, and one of my favorite people is um, to watch fight is um, Super Sage Northcutt, and he's kind of in that same position where he's a young fighter he doesn't have a lot of experience but he's really entertaining to watch and they give him a big push and although i guess he went against mickey gall who also doesn't have a major bat you know <clears throat> major experience and they kind of pushed each other into a fight and he got picked apart there so um that's just where i stand on 
on why I think they would be adding these championships is to get more entertainment value to see a second, you know, two or three championship fights on a card like you have on this one. Yeah, I think T hit it right on the head with pushing uh, prospects too soon. Like Van Zant, they pushed her way too soon. She was she had like maybe three fights coming into the UFC. That's not enough, not enough at all. And I, l- later on, we'll get the the main card, and there's a guy on there that uh, they they might be pushing too soon, and it might could ruin his career. And uh, but they do the UFC needs another star to build since McGregor has been gone AWOL and they haven't really found that guy yet. So I think there's two dudes on this card and we can get to that later when we start predicting the fights. Yeah, well hopefully when Jones comes back they won't have to look too hard but who knows if he's going to come back and when he comes back are they going to give him the fight that they should or or are they going to you know, just have him come in and fight a couple duds right away. So, I mean, we'll have to stay tuned to see what Dana has in store for them. But I don't know. I, th- I think that they need to push the pause button on some of these guys and, you know, have them fight people in their caliber rather than pushing them forward too fast. Uh, yeah, you definitely, uh, you're definitely right about WME, you know, going after the entertainment part of of the of of the UFC, you know, they really push entertainment value with all the interim belts, and um, I believe they took out like you know a, like a billion dollar loan or something. So they're just trying to cover that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's why uh, CM Punk will probably fight another on another pay per view because he you know drives pay per view buys. Um, Yep. And I believe, you know, it's it's kind of a catch-22 with the young, the young guys. You have to, you know, expose them, but you, you know, because either you expose them and, you know, they lose an, a tough fight and they bounce back, or you, you cradle them for seven fights and then, you know, the fans get tired of that too. So it, it, it's, a, it's a tough game to play. It's a tough balancing act, but, uh, I mean, they're going to try to figure it out any way they can. Yeah, it's like comparing it to like what we talked about Trubisky last week. Like, do you coddle him and don't start him in the first year, or do you put him out there and just throw him to the to the dog? So I do see both sides of it, and it definitely definitely needs some. They definitely need a star, and one can be made on this card, I believe. Yeah, and and just a little bit on the. Catch 22. I think Vince is right that if this is sort of the same problem that I have with boxing is if you're just going to have a big name, like for instance, Sage Northcutt, he doesn't have a huge name, but if you're just going to have him fight seven or eight fights against people who don't even have business being in the UFC at all, and all he does is dominate them, people are going to say, well, he hasn't fought anyone. And if you just have him fight somebody right away, then they say, oh, you pushed him too hard. So I think there is, Vince, you're right, I think there is like a little bit of a catch-22 and how do you draw the line. To me, it just seems like they're going too far into trying to get the next big star and they're putting everybody, they're pushing everybody too fast But and they're not holding anybody back. And I think there needs to be a little balance there where you do hold one person or two people back and you push two or three other people who look better as stars, but right now they're just pushing everybody ahead. 
Yeah, it's definitely tough. Um, I, I mean, they have a lot, they have a lot of young stars. I know, like you guys brought up Paige Van Zant, who I thought they did a pretty decent job bringing up. Um, she took that time off with Dancing with the Stars, and then gained all that, um, you know, all that star power from that show. And she hit that that unbelievable kick on that knockout on her first um, match after that. And then they had her headline, the the big Fox card with Karate Hottie, which I believe was the the highest viewed Fox card of you know of all. So that's a win. I mean, she didn't win that one, but that's a high profile matchup. You know, one that she could lose. You know, it was a toss up either way. I think you know she's still in a good spot. That's where she at. But mm-hmm. like you said, they have Mickey Gall, they have Sage Northcutt, and probably you know a dozen other guys that I don't even can't even think off the top of my head that yeah, that was if, the... if if they can be smart with, they have. They have a good future coming up, hopefully. Yeah, that that Gall Northcut fight was on that same card, and those Fox were two. Unpro- uh, yeah, those were yeah. two unproven talents, but they're both very exciting to watch. And obviously, Gall got his start. I mean, not his start, but he got his fame and notoriety because he beat up CM Punk real real fast. So. And he called him out too. He was smart enough to, <laughs> smart enough to call him out. So yeah. They did hit it perfect. Um, so well, I'll just say this one more thing. Uh, yeah, you're good. You got uh, Garbrandt. They hit it perfect with him. I mean, he didn't have much experience, but he yeah, he was like cool. nine and zero or something. And then uh, after I forget who he fought, and he beat him up, knocked him out. He called out Cruz, the former bantamweight champion, and the UFC actually gave him the fight. And look what happened. He freaking beat him, and now he's the champ. And now he can be that star. If he if he wins this next fight, I mean they put him on tough, and he wins this next fight, he's gonna be big time, I think. So they hit they pushed him perfectly, and he was capable, and he's showing that he was capable. So that was a great push by them. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, and he did sort of he did sort of take the you know bull by the horns and just say, you know, <clears throat> um put me up against Cruz and he took him down and I think I think what helped that sort of rivalry or that that or what helped push that fight was the rivalry between Cruz and Uriah Faber and Team Alpha Male where Garbrandt came out of and the whole time Cruz has been calling him Alpha Fail because you know he he, he bet he beat up Faber and then he beat up TJ Dillashaw who was out of that camp i mean he's no longer team alpha male but and then he so so i think that the there was a nice little storyline in there that ufc could take advantage of being that cruz is sort of i don't i don't really know if he was the heel in that but cruz sort of was calling out and saying you know team alpha male is garbage and ufc took advantage of that they gave the kid a shot and he went out and I don't know. That was one of the more most entertaining fights that I probably ever seen, and um, I have a little bit of respect, for, more, more respect for Cruz now. But Garbrandt was just—it felt like it was toying with him, and it was just really fun to watch. Um, so they definitely hit it out of the park on that one. Yeah, they definitely did a good job uh, with Garbrandt, and they have you know some staying power with with him too. If he beats Dillashaw, you have the rematch with Cruz. You have a multitude of other options i would imagine with him um I, <clears throat> yeah i would want to see him if he if he beats 
uh, was it Dillashaw, right? If he beats Dillashaw, <clears throat> they could definitely have the Cruz, Cruz rematch, but I would even want to see him, uh, challenge Jose Aldo, which is, a uh, you know, he's a, he's the weight class above, uh, champion versus champion type of fight. I mean, they can do a, they could do a lot of things with Garbrandt now, and he's going to be, you know, within the next couple of years, he's going to be probably one of the hottest um, fighters out there in terms of sales and um, <clears throat> sort of special matchups that they can put him in. So he's definitely going to be exciting to watch over the next couple of years. Yeah, those are two good options. And then I think their third one for him and the UFC is uh, Demetrius Mighty J- Mouse Johnson coming up from 125. I mean, mm-hmm. he's defended the belt like 10 times. And I don't know, he hasn't, there's not many people in that division right now. But uh, if he bumps up and takes on Garbrandt, that's going to be a, I mean, that's a huge fight. So it all, yeah, they have. Garbrandt just needs to beat Dillashaw yeah. and the UFC will be, they'll be riding it smooth then. Yeah, I think, but I think like even if, even if Garbrandt would lose, I still think that you make a good point that he's kind of in that nice position where he could go down to Johnson or Johnson can come up and if Johnson really wants to come up and fight at that weight class um, his his first entry fight could be against Garbrandt whether Garbrandt has the title or not I mean he could easily that could be easily be the jump or if they want to put Garbrandt up against Jose Aldo win or lose um, Garbrandt's just one of those unique talents that you know, McGregor's also that same talent, and John Jones is that talent. But beyond that, beyond those three, you know, is there anybody out there that's that can really capture the the audience's attention like that? I, I'm not sure there is. No, and Garbrandt back, he he talks a lot of shit like McGregor too. So you know, a lot of people like that, and he puts on a show, so he can back it up in the in the octagon. But he also talks a lot of shit, and that a lot of fans like that. He, you know, if, if he does win, that is obviously best-case scenario for the UFC, whether it be the, the rematch with Cruz, um, you know, the Mighty Mouse fight. I don't know if Aldo fight would happen anytime soon. I think he's fighting the next card, so it would be a couple, couple months away, you know, to get mm. everybody back right. But I think, yeah, if he wins, they're, they're in good shape. And then he would... You know the the you know the top spot there is for the taking with McGregor having his kid this week. Shout out there, uh, Jones still on suspension. Um, Rousey's gone, so I mean the, the top spot's there. At you know well as long as McGregor's away, but at least the number two spots there is for the taking and um, Garbrandt. You know is right right there to take it, so he's got a bright yeah. future. Yeah, but what I think we just proved is. Even more than McGregor or Jones is Garbrandt has a lot of unique little storylines built into uh, built into him. You know, which way could he go? Does he want to drop down and fight Johnson? Does he want to stay up, stay at the same class and fight Johnson? Does he want to stay at the same class and fight Cruz? Does he want to stay in the same class and fight Dillashaw? Does he want to jump up and go after Aldo? I mean, that's was that like five options right there. Well, and. McGregor doesn't really have those options because he's just dominating everybody. And Jones doesn't have those options because he's in trouble and 
you know, his first step has to be get over the Cormier hump, and then you can talk about doing other things with him. So, to me, Garbrandt has the most, I don't want to say most value for UFC, because McGregor's still going to be the biggest draw, but um, in terms of storylines and getting people excited, I think that Garbrandt's probably number one in that respect. Um, As far as like options like you said i think mcgregor also has a multitude of options and also the the power within you know within dana and within you know the, the power to demand his options really i mean he could he has the auto rematch if he wanted it for some reason he has uh the ds3 if he wanted it for any reason he can move up to the next weight class and go after that belt i mean he yeah, his options are more of he can do whatever he wants, and that's why he has options. You know what I mean? Um, I think Troy, you wanted to get well, in here. Uh, just the so one more storyline with Garbrandt. So when uh, and tough when Faber and McGregor were coaches, uh, McGregor was calling Dillashaw a little snake in the grass, and Garbrandt didn't like that, and he stepped up to McGregor. So I mean, it's just a small storyline, but say say Garbrandt is the the next star on the rise. He's the number two star, and he goes up to 145 and beats uh, Aldo. And then by that time, maybe McGregor's already done with the Mayweather thing, comes back, and he wants Garbrandt to see who the top star really is. So, I mean, there's options all over, and either way, I don't think the UFC can go wrong, whatever they do with Garbrandt, and then McGregor is going to say and do whatever the hell he wants to do. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that McGregor um, Garbrandt line because that's what I was going. That's the that's where I was headed with Garbrandt versus Aldo. If Garbrandt dominates Dillashaw and says, "I want you know, I want Aldo next," and he jumps up and dominates Aldo, I, I think that we're, you know the next step then is McGregor. And I don't know if you know that's really far way out, so it's hard to predict, but. And I don't even know if uh, Garbrandt would want to do that because that's a huge either jump in weight for him or McGregor would have to come down again. So I'm not sure either one of those guys would be interested in that in the near future. But that's where I was headed with the sort of Garbrandt-Aldo thing um, is maybe down the future in two, three, well, a year and a half, two years, maybe three years if McGregor and Garbrandt are still at the top of the game you know that could be a potential mega fight in in the UFC yeah I don't I don't know if that would ever happen I would I don't know that'd be a heck of a fight but I don't know if it it would match up you know logistically and weight class it maybe that have to be at a catch weight I would think I don't think I know Troy knows I, I mean McGregor looks like death at 45 I don't know if he could get back down to that if he even wants to get back down to that so definitely uh Garbrandt would have to come up, maybe maybe all the way up to 155 if, if McGregor's still pulling his strength at that point. So, like I said, McGregor looks like death at 45, and Troy, you know you know that. He looks way 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 more healthy at, at 55. Yeah, I think McGregor needs to stay at 55. He That's the best he's looked. He, he's, he has even said it. He's just, I mean, he does look like death at 45. His face is so sucked in, and now you can't use IVs or anything after weighing, so... I think his smartest choice would be stay at 55. Maybe if it was a catchweight fight with Garbrandt, maybe go down to 50 and uh, go from there. But 
it'll be interesting to see what happens between those two and moving forward, uh, especially with the Mayweather thing. So I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Where did where, did McGregor start at? Yeah, he started one forty-five. Yeah. Okay, so he's so Garbrandt starting at one thirty-five. I was just I was just wondering because Garbrandt's the same size as or same height as McGregor, um, so I didn't know if over time McGregor went from thirty-five to fifty-five, or if really he started at forty-five. Uh, Garbrandt's like five-eight. McGregor McGregor's five-nine. Yeah, he's five-nine. He so just, he just looks so much. I don't know. He just looks longer. Yeah, I think he's a lot longer. Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at it now. His, yeah, his reach is 74 inches. Gregor McGregor's is, and um, uh, Garbrandt's is only 65. Shit, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that that that's that's a huge huge discrepancy there. Yeah. Um. Okay, and as long as we're fantasy booking, I I haven't been a I've been a fan of UFC long enough to touch on this, but everybody, you know, as, you know, we're talking about the future and the biggest draws and all that stuff, and GSP's back in the mix. So, um, is there? You know, I think the 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 one the fans all wanted to see. I don't even know his his fight got pulled off the card. Well, well, there's still it's still on, but uh, he says he's not going to be ready until after October. So they're giving this dude that's been out of the UFC for what like three years now a title fight when he hasn't fought shit. I mean that's complete. Oh right, he's fighting Michael uh, Bisping. Yeah, and it's just it's just holding yeah. up that division. I think I mean that's a bunch of bullshit. GSP. I mean a lot of people like him. He's he, a huge draw. So that's exactly what this new. Uh, regiment is looking for so but 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 don't you think if you give Yoel Romero that title fight and put GSP up against Anderson Silva another big name you know wouldn't that be more money for I would think so I mean that would be the fight to make for them I mean how what's the biggest the bigger fight is definitely GSP against Silva that's a everybody's wanted to see that for years. That's like Mayweather Pacquiao shit. So why not just make that fight and not hold up a division title? They could actually go Bisbing Romero and then whoever wins that faces the winner of GSP Silva. I mean that's what I want to see, and I don't want to see a division getting held up like the middleweight division. I think Yoel Romero definitely deserves a shot at that that boat eventually whether it be Bisping or whoever you know eventually comes out of that um but yeah you said the division's held up until october so that's a heck of a layoff there well i think i think silva didn't he come out and say that he's going to retire if they don't give him yeah so yeah he was supposed to fight at 212 (laughs) and uh the dude failed a drug test so silva said that he would only fight romero for an interim title or else he's retiring, and the other day he pulled himself off the card because they wouldn't give it to him. So I I guarantee he fights in the UFC again. They'll they'll do something. They'll pull some strings, and I mean the dude's made the UFC for how many years? So they need to do something for him. Yeah, and I think if, but I think to your point that the GSP fight would get him reinterested. I think if they say to him. You fight GSP, 
um, and then talk, you know, if you beat them, then talk to us and we'll put you in a title fight. Um, if Yoel got the title shot and then GSP Silva was, you know, kind of the 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 lead in to, to the next to the next title fight would be the best route to go. But what the heck, we're just we're just fantasy booking here, so we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we do know, maybe we don't know, I don't know. Yeah, and Romero's another one of those guys that's getting pushed, a big push. I mean, he's 12-1, and one, so... He's yeah, he, he's he got charisma. He doesn't speak very, very good <laughs> English, but he can talk, you know, when he wants to, when he tries to. It, it's funny, it's entertaining. It's not good English, but it's still entertaining, like I said. But... He, he cut a good yeah, promo but, after his, his New York fight on this thing up in the booth there. That was that was entertaining. So he, he's got something there. He's a really good wrestler. I think he... I don't know. I think he won Olympic gold or Olympic medal or something. So he's got talent. He's got the charisma they need. I don't know. They're just holding it up, like you said, Troy. Yeah. And and Romero's beat people. I mean, he's beaten wide men, and he's beaten Lyoto Mashida. So, I mean, it's not like... I'm not trying to say that he's not deserving of the push either, but um, he's just another example of, you know, one of these guys who don't have a ton of experience that are getting a huge push in the sport. Yeah, he's an exciting fighter, too. I mean, he knocks people out. So I would much rather see, like, GSP go against... GSP or Silva go against Romero than Bisping. I mean, Bisping's the champ now, but I still just don't... I just can't see him being the champ as a champ. I don't think he's as good as the other, some of the other champions. So I think Romero needs that title shot, and I think he knocked Bisping out. Yeah. All right. So we we talked about a lot of a lot of stuff, a lot of UFC stuff, a lot of fight stuff. So let's take a dive into the card on Saturday. Um, I don't know what tech time is going to be coming on pay per view, but it'll be late. So drink your coffee, drink your energy drinks. I'm sure UFC wants you to drink a monster. So stay up for the fights. Um, fight pass card. I don't have anybody to touch on there. Anybody? Any you two? No. Uh, preliminary card. Uh, only one I want to. Only one I, that is worth talking about probably is Eddie Alvarez versus Poirier. Any anything else we need to no, touch? No, that's on the there? one I want to start with. All right, I don't know what the heck's going on really with that fight. I mean, I know Eddie's coming off the loss to Connor, kind of a a bad kind of you know kind of got caught, <laughs> kind of got ran over by the McGregor train and got pushed off to the to the FX card. So yeah. it's a fall from grace, as many of McGregor's foes have seen. So, Troy, if you want to start with your notes yeah. on that play. Yeah, we'll Alvarez got completely embarrassed. That was, like, that was, pathet- that was absolutely <laughs> pathetic. But uh, he he was a the ch- uh, number one contender for a reason, or at least actually he was a champ. So, I mean, he was a champ for a reason. He's only 3-2 and two in the UFC, and... Like you said, his last loss was against McGregor. He's going up against Dustin Poirier, who also lost to McGregor at uh, 145. I think that was in like 2014. But since then, since then he moved up to lightweight, and he's five and one with a uh, fight of the night in February. So I mean, I've watched Dustin Poirier for a few years, and he's been one of my favorite fighters. The dude just stands up and just brawls. He'll just go at it. He don't care. So I think both of them are pretty much stand-up fighters. Should be a good fight, and I'm going to take Poirier by uh, TKO in the second round. 
What was that prediction? I didn't get uh, it. Poirier by TKO, yep. second round. Okay. I didn't know we were making. I didn't know we were making predictions. So I don't have any lined up, but that's all right. I like it. I like it. Um, T, you got any notes on on that fight? I think Troy covered it. Um, I would just say that I'm actually going to pick Alvarez in that fight. Um, <clears throat> I know he's. I know he got steamrolled by McGregor, but I still think he has a lot of fight left in him. So I'm going to actually take uh, Alvarez. Uh, yeah, Alvarez is definitely a tough guy. He just, you know, like I said, got ran over by that that McGregor train. Um, I mean, I think he got, like, embarrassed. So I, I think if he comes out and gets embarrassed by Poirier, like uh, maybe a second-round TKO, um, I think that that's going to shatter. I mean, it won't shatter his career, but that's tough that's tough to get steamrolled by mcgregor and then come back and get tko'd by uh, a guy who's ranked number nine versus you who are ranked number three so it'll be a it'll be a pretty big fall from for alvarez if if that's how it plays out yeah that's for sure i mean you can only you can only take so many you know only take so many punches in your career and they they've been doing it a long time both of these guys um I'm just looking real quick, just to make a, just to be consistent, and make a pick with everybody else. I'm gonna take Poirier, but I'm not gonna give a round or a kind yet. You guys can look for that on the the website when I actually have more time to break it down. But Poirier is my pick, and um, yeah. you can find you, yeah, you can find our full predictions on on the website. But yeah, I don't think we need. I mean, where you can give out a time or whatever, but I think we just the high end, high level of who you think is going to win should be good enough. But you can check out everything on the on the website. <clears throat> All right, so that's uh, you know the only fight we covered on the the FX card there. I think um, P- P- Poirier is actually favored in that fight. Oh yeah, so that's a good. In good, case anybody's, good note. that's a good note. In case anybody's in the betting mood, Poirier's actually so yeah, it's it, it's interesting just from the betting perspective is Poirier's a minus one thirty, um, and Alvarez is even, so it's not like they have a it's not like Vegas is saying that there's a big difference between the two, um, so it could Vegas is basically saying it could go either way. Uh, yeah, that's. That's an interesting uh, line you got there. Um, so that's the only fight we covered in the FX card. If you want to look at the rest of it, you can go, you know, wherever, UFC.com, Wikipedia, whatever you want to do. So we'll go to the pay-per-view card now. Um, first fight or, there. Or you could uh, or you could tweet at T. Padasak. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah he'll, he'll break it down you. for you. Is that what it is, at T. Padasak 2? Yep, that's it. Been getting into some arguments yep, on that. Tweet him. <laughs> oh yeah, tweet him. He'll he'll get at you. All right. So, uh we're going to go into the pay-per-view card like I said. First fight in the flyweight division. Um Sergio Pettis coming off looks like on a three-fight win streak. He's going against Henry Kajudo, is that how you say it? Sehudo? Sehudo? Yeah, Sehudo. Yeah, Sehudo. I, I think it's that. Sehudo. All right, we'll go with Sehudo. Um, coming off two back-to-back losses, um, 
just looking at this, it looks like Sergio Pettis is, is a heavy favorite. Is that right, Troy? Uh, I don't know, because Cejudo's last two fights, one was the title fight he lost to Demetrius, and then the other one was yeah. Joseph Benavidez, who can, is one of the best fighters in the world, but he just cannot beat Mighty Mouse. So, I mean, Cejudo's a former Olympic gold medalist, so he's a really good wrestler, and then Sergio Pettis is the brother Anthony Pettis, former champ. So, I mean, it should be a good fight. I'm, that's I'm kind of not real sure who to pick for that one. Uh, just just from Vegas's point of view, Sehudo is actually a really heavy favorite. He's the heaviest favorite of the cards, so or of the main that, event. So that shows how much I how much I know. <laughs> yeah, he's my he's minus four fifty, and Pettis is plus. 325 so that means basically <clears throat> if you bet a hundred bucks on Pettis you'd win 325 uh, I mean, that's, yeah I don't know that's a huge just, yeah Pettis I don't know he's yeah. young looks like he's a young kid 23 um, this is one of those guys this is one I of those guys UFC is pushing because he's coming off that three in, fight win streak I was just say he's, he, he's up there in Milwaukee seeing that big yeah that big Dwayne Ludwig like Ludwig, I think. Yeah. Yeah, him and yeah, him and his brother in there. But I, uh, I think UFC is pushing him. This is they need. He's one of the dudes they need to win because he's that prospect where he's right on the brink and going against Cejudo. This could be number one contender match. So for if Pettis wins, so I think UFC needs Pettis to win to go challenge Demetrius Johnson and make another push to build another star like we've been talking about at the beginning of this. Yeah, I think what's interesting about this, about that weight class, is um, it seems like there's Demetrius Johnson and then Benavidez, like Troy mentioned, and then Cejudo, and then, like, so... Benavides can't beat Johnson, which means Johnson's going to be the champion. And Cejudo didn't beat Benavides, which means Benavides is the number one contender. And Cejudo's second. And I don't think, I think if Cejudo comes out and beats Pettis, it kind of just marks that there's not a lot of movement that's going to be happening in the flyweight division because those three top guys, in my opinion, are going to stay that way until something changes. And the only way that's going to change is if Muddy Mouse jumps up to the next weight class. But then I think you still have a situation where Benavides would be the champion, Cejudo can't beat him, and nobody can get to that number one contender spot because I don't think anybody's going to beat Cejudo. So that division is going to stall out quick if uh, Sergio Pettis or one of these guys can't step up to the challenge and beat one of these top two guys. I'll go with Cejudo. Uh, probably a decision. Not a, not real big on Sergio Pettis. I watched him a few times, and he's never impressed me. So I'll just stick. I'll go with Cejudo. Do you got a pick? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's my pick, too. All right, I'll pick uh, Pettis just to be different. Um... All right, next bout we have featherweight Yair Rodriguez versus Frankie Edgar from the U, Clarion University. 
Uh, this is a, like I said, a featherweight matchup. Um, Frankie's coming up a win against Jeremy Stevens. And Yair Rodriguez is coming. Uh, oh, he's on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fight win streak. Although I don't know how his. Uh... Oh, this is another one of them. Yeah, this is, this is another one, I think. Yeah, this is a guy that fought BJ yeah. Penn. BJ Penn. Yeah, this is another one the UFC's yeah. pushing, and I think they need. He, I think he he needs the win for the UFC this weekend. Okay, do you think? What do you think about the matchup with? Uh, I mean, Rodriguez is on an eight-fight win streak. He's six and zero in the UFC, and uh, he hasn't really fought anyone. BJ Penn's all washed up, and giving him Edgar, who is one of the best fighters on the roster he just can't beat Jose Aldo and uh, so he's like the Benavidez of the featherweight division where he just dominates everybody he's been a champ before in lightweight so uh, he's good all around it's, a lot of his fights are boring because he can't knock anyone out or submit anyone but uh, I'm, I'm gonna go with the upset and take uh, Rodriguez uh, yeah, I just think he has the tools to do it. He's an exciting fighter. He's kind of like a McGregor throwing kicks and everything. So I'll go with the prospect, and uh, I think he'll be a title contender after this fight. Is that a true upset, T? What uh, Edgar over or er, Rod- Rodriguez over Edgar? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not. <clears throat> That one's a little bit closer too, but that is an upset. Uh, okay, I, I have, didn't know what the odds would be there. Yeah, they have Rodriguez at plus one hundred five, which is basically even again, and Eggers minus one thirty five. So it's closer, but <clears throat> um, I actually, I actually with Troy on this one again. I had Rodriguez win in. Yeah, I haven't. But, oh, you're good. You're good. I was just gonna say, but I hope for the sake of clarity and that. It's Edgar. Yeah, you gotta gotta represent our alum, Clarion. Troy's Troy's basically an alum. We'll we'll throw him into the alum category. Um, the the guy that uh, as far as this fight, Edgar is good. the guy that everyone that goes to Clarion thinks they know, and they have no clue. They've never even seen him before. That happens a lot at Clarion. Well, that's good. that's that's me. That's what they say about me now. I hear. <laughs> That's the story around the campus down there. <laughs> yeah, from that uh, yeah. spotlight on the yeah, the shady fourteen house with the <laughs> helicopter that never was. <laughs> yeah, helicopter fourteen shady. Always. <laughs> Frankie uh, Edgar was there that night too. Uh... <laughs> hey, now you just keep adding to the legend. Now you never know what you never know what the next story is going to be. But uh, just as, as my prediction on the fight, um, I saw I saw Rodriguez fight BJ Penn, who looked impressive. But like Troy said, BJ Penn isn't isn't BJ Penn anymore. Like he said, he's washed up. Um, so this this is kind of a sneaky, you know, could be one of the one of the best matches on the card. Um, I I think Rod, Rodriguez will probably win, but I'm gonna pick Frankie. To win, just to support my my Clarion brother, who was at 14 Shady Oween, according to Troy. Uh, but anyway, I I'm gonna 
I'm going to pick Frankie, but I, I don't. I think it's going to be a tough fight for him to win. I think Rodriguez is young and talented and has all the tools to, to become, you know, to become something in that in that featherweight division. So I think gonna, wasn't oh, wasn't Edgar that kid that uh, Craig threw off the chair, <laughs> Shady? I think so. Yeah, Craig Craig hit tossed him, and then and then Paul had to step in and throw some some cheap shots, but. I think that was, yeah, I think that was Edgar's, I think that's when he realized that he should become a fighter. I think, yeah, that must have been what it was. Craig, Craig pushed him over the edge. Yep. Craig against Edgar on, uh, on the same card that Cuban fights Trump. <laughs> 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 oh, we gotta get Bo, we gotta get Bo on that card, Who's too. Who's he going against? Roy Nelson. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, we'll give him, we'll give him right now. We'll, we need to put Vo in a, in a tough house. Maybe with maybe with the women for the side <laughs> division. We'll put Vo in that tough house. <laughs> I'm taking. Uh, I think we're taking unnecessary shots at Vo again. That's, that's two right. podcasts Apo- in a apologies, row. Apologies, Danny Varnark. <laughs> that's Love how you, we'll, That's how we'll sign off. Apologies, Danny Varnark. All right. Uh, moving to the third fight of the night, the last fight that's not for a title. It's a welterweight bout, Damian Maya versus Jorge Masvidal. Masvidal is three-fight win streak. Oh, yeah, he beat Cerrone um, in January, performance of the night bonus. Damian Maya is coming in with a pretty good win streak. We got one, two, three, four, five, six. Carlos Condoit, Matt Brown, Gunnar Nelson in those last three fights. So this should also be a pretty good fight. Um, Masvidal, I believe, is, or I mean, Maya, I believe, is more of a submission guy, and Masvidal yeah. is more of the puncher, I believe. Is that correct? I like, I like, uh, <clears throat> I can't I can't remember where I've seen it, but I know Maya said something like, my favorite my favorite thing to do is uh, submit my opponent without him hurting me or me hurting him, which I think is pretty, you know, pretty cool. Like line there that he's all about getting that submission. Yeah, this is a another hell of a matchup. Another, I mean, this card. I mean, just doing, just looking at it now is going to be really good with Frankie and Yair and and this fight, Maya Masvidal. Um, Troy, what do you uh, got on this one? I mean, Damian Maia's master at uh, grappling and submissions. He might be the best, like, best at whatever, like, whatever someone specialized at. He is, Matt, he might be the best specialized fighter in the UFC at grappling and submissions. So, I mean, he's... Yeah, he's a, he's a fourth-degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So he's right up there. Um... Him and uh, Jacare, I would imagine, are probably the best grapplers and submission artists as of as of now up there. But yeah, yeah, uh, they're definitely like he's unreal. I mean, watching him might be pretty boring sometimes because he just he finds a way to take someone down, and once he gets them down, he just rides them until until they're tired and he submits them. But uh, Masvidal, he's his takedown defense is eighty percent, which is really good so it'll be interesting to see how Maya gets in on him and can take him down and uh if I mean Masvidal has crazy power uh, if you watch the Cerrone fight he knocked him out he 
he was hammering them. So it is a great fight. I think it's probably number one contender to challenge Tyron Woodley. So I'll take Maya in that fight. I think he'll be able to get inside and take him down and wear him out and submit him. And then he'll finally get to fight for a belt. Hopefully, unless they screw him over again. Good, good breakdown for us. I do remember watching Masvidal and Cerrone. He picked him apart and, like you said, knocked him, knocked him out easy. Although Cerrone was, I believe he fought like, like four, four straight weeks before that or something crazy. I mean, the guy fights, guy fights all the time. But that was an impressive performance. Um, you said Maya can be boring, and that can be true for people who who don't know what they're watching. You know, if you. If you're interested in that aspect of the sport, it's not boring. If you're interested in people, you know, blood and and heavy punches, it is boring. But it's it's that's a whole different sport when somebody like Maya or Jacare, you know, gets them on the ground and and uses that that technique and looks for the submission and all that kind of good stuff. So from that aspect of the fight, I think it'll be like I said, this is another another hell of a fight, hell of a matchup. And T U, you can break it down for us as well. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think just touching on that fact or touching on your point, Vince, is you know earlier in the thing I said it's boring when um, people UFC can be boring when people just lay on the ground, but I think that there's a nuance to that, and the difference is it's it's different when you know it was boring watching Cormier <clears throat> just lay on top of his opponent and not do much, um, but there's a difference when there's an active person you know trying to get the submission and i think that's what maya is so i mean even even though he might be taking masvidal to the ground a lot um i think that it's still going to be a little bit entertaining because it's it's always fun to see um at least for me how they try to change positions while on the ground to go after different things whether it's you know arm bar or guillotine or whatever the whatever the case may be it's just nice to see them always trying to work for a new position where it's a little bit different when somebody's just laying on top of you not trying to take advantage of the position and they're just trying to kill the clock so i think there's two different kinds of you know wrestling where you'll see somebody who's <clears throat> just taking advantage of their size and not doing not even doing ground and pound not trying to get a submission they're just literally laying on top of the person so that there's no stand up and they don't have to fight them one on one and i'm not saying that's cormier style all the time and it, it was for that one fight where it was short notice but somebody like maya who's constantly working or or anybody in the ufc who's constantly working towards a submission uh to me that's always uh, fun to watch so <clears throat> there's a little bit difference there uh, this is another close fight uh, Vegas actually has both pl- both fighters at minus uh, so Masvidal is minus 125 which technically makes him the favorite um, and I'm actually going to pick uh, Masvidal on this one so me and Troy are uh, on opposite sides on this one yeah I, I, I like our our conversation of of the the art of of when they're on the ground, you know, when they're they're doing that that kind of stuff, and I think uh, what plays a role in that as we're watching on on TV is is Rogan does a good job of you know breaking down what's going on, what he's looking for next, how how the other guys trying to counter that stuff. I think he plays a big role in in that as well. And I like I said, some people think that's boring. Um, if you you know if you accept that it's another art form, and you accept it. I think you'll you'll have a better a better time 
you know, enjoy it more and have a better time watching watching the fights that, that go that route, that's for sure. Uh, I'm going to pick, I think I'm going to pick Maya. Uh, I think he, like Troy said, he can get him down. Um, it's going to be tough with, like you said, Troy's 80, 80% takedown defense, Masvidal, but I think eventually they'll take him down and get him in, in some some kind of submission and, and finish the deal. All right, and that brings us to the women's strawweight division title fight uh, featuring challenger Jessica Andrade versus Johanna young Jacek, Johanna Champion, Johanna whatever you want to say. Um, she is a champion. She's been a champion for, for a while now. She is 13-0 and in, in MMA professionally. I don't know if all of them are in UFC. It looks like she's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 7-0 and in UFC. So she's been a champion for a while. She's a hell of a fighter, and she has a hell of a matchup here against Andrade, who's coming off a win against Angela Hill, a decision, and also coming in on a three-fight win streak. Uh, T, you want to kick us off for this one? Uh, yeah, I think... Um, I, th- I think just starting out since I've been... Excuse me, since I've been going on with this... Um, Johanna's definitely the favorite. Um, Vegas has her minus 165, and Andrade is uh, plus 135. I think in this fight, it's hard to imagine going into this fight that Joanna is going to lose. I mean, she's just looked so good for so long now. Um, and I'm actually going to pick. I'm actually going to pick Joanna uh, in this fight. But I think it'll be a good matchup with Jessica Andrade. I, I mean, these. There's something about um, <clears throat> the Brazilian women fighters now coming out that they just have a lot of. I don't. I, I don't think passion is the right word, but they just they just fight with a lot of you know intensity. And if somebody's gonna upset Joanna, I think Jessica Andrade probably has um, <clears throat> one of the better chances to do it at least in that division. So. I think for me, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna go with Ioana, but I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if Jessica Andrade wins this fight. Yeah, I think Ioana is like one of the best champs in the UFC. I think she's she's just so dominant. You can make an argument where she is more dominant than Ronda was because she's just she's nasty. But uh, Andrade, go ahead, T. I was just gonna say, do you think she's more dominant than Muddy Mouse? I mean, obviously, de- obviously. I could see where you, you could definitely make the argument where she is because she just she picks apart people. She throws so many punches, so many significant strikes land. She's just incredible on the feet. But uh, the one thing about her is she's her last few fights she's been starting really slow. I mean, against I think her last fight was Claudia Gaudelia. And, I mean, that was a great fight, but she lost the first two rounds, and she was getting tagged. So, with Andrade, she has that knockout power where, who knows, if she catches Ioana, it could be night over. It could be the champ could go down, and Andrade could walk out the champ. So, Ioana needs to come out strong, or Andrade needs to come out strong 
if she doesn't knock her out, then she needs to be able to last all five rounds, go championship rounds, which nobody has been able to do with Joanna. So with that, I, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna stick with Joanna because I think she's just so dominant, and I think she'll be the next two weight world champ, like Connor. That's what the 125 division, whenever that comes in. Yeah. Yeah, I think that Claudia Godella, she's also Brazilian, and that's kind of, you know, my point on Brazilians is they come out with this intensity that just doesn't seem to be matched by <clears throat> other, other at least in the women's division, other fighters. And I think you see that um, with Amanda Nunez, too, in the Bantamweight division. Yeah, that's... Where she's that's definitely so a good dominant. point. They have they bring they come out with so much intensity and like they're just they just want it. They just go after it and they just want it. And I think that's what Andrade needs to do. I mean, I think she needs to finish her first two rounds. So if she comes out like she does and what all the other Brazilian women do, I think she has a she might have the best shot as as anyone has against Joanna. Yeah, and she did. So she did that against Jessica Pena, right? She that was a second round knockout, I think. And um, two fights ago, Yoan Calderwood, she submitted her in the first round. So I mean, she definitely has that fighter's mentality, and she likes to come out, you know, and start out on a good foot, a good note on that, um, or on a good note in the fight. So I think that that's going to be her game plan, and. Like I said, I I mean I think she can do it. I wouldn't be shocked. I'm still picking Joanna because that's the smart pick. Joanna is probably you know has 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 a good chance to win. Has a very 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 good chance to win actually. But um, Jessica has a you know like a like a puncher's chance to win. She has she has the power if if she catches some some shots early. Um, that really opens up the rest of the fight for her there. I think Joanna is just so dominant so so good at what she does on the feet you know she her striking is is unbelievable her takedown defenses i think she has the highest takedown defense of of any fighter ever so far like over 80 percent like the other guy we mentioned so she's really good on the yeah. feet she's really good at not getting down on the ground where her opponents want to take her um i think she's gonna withstand you know the flurry in the first couple rounds from from Jessica, and then you pick pick her apart. You know, rounds three, four. If it gets to five, you just pick her apart from there on. Once once the initial flurry comes out of of the challenger for the belt. Yeah, all you need to know about Joanna is a couple of years. I was watching a Rogan uh, interview or something, and this was a couple of years ago. And this was his quote about Joanna. Joanna is a murderer. She's a murderer. She assassinates. She mercs chicks. She mercs them. Uh, she does some horrible. <laughs> she does some horrible shit to them. I mean that that was his sort of review of of Joanna, and I think she just continued that over the last couple years. And yeah, she like Joyce said, she just she's just been a great champ, and it's really hard to see her losing this, but. Yeah, that's all I have to say about it, I guess. Yeah, Joanna's definitely my pick. Uh, she's she's probably you know she's a hell of a competitor. She's probably one of the best competitors, at least for the women, maybe all around. She trains um, 
an American top team down there in Florida now. She moved over from her hometown in, or from her home homeland in Poland, moved over to American top team, lives in Florida. Um, she has new management. She has new nutrition, all, uh, everything. She, I mean, she started over while she was already on top, so that just shows you the the commitment she has, the 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 commitment she has, you know, the the intensity she brings every fight, every day, every training session. It's always there. Um, she's definitely one of my one of my personal favorite fighters and probably maybe could even crack my top three if we're on a good day. So I'm definitely picking her. I'm a big fan of hers. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of her fighting. I'm a big fan of her. her you know, she has a good personality. She talks decent English. She's entertaining when she talks. She, yeah, she's just an ex- exciting fighter, a, a, a charismatic person, and and I'm definitely picking her to win. You got something, T? Uh, I was just gonna ask if she's your favorite women's fighter. Um, off the top of my head right now, definitely. I don't even. I could put together a top three, probably maybe for our. If we have another, another uh, podcast dedicated to fighting, but. I mean, I can Google real quick, but. She's definitely. Yeah. No, I was just, I was just wondering. It's not a big deal. Yeah. But. Um. Yeah, I would say she's definitely my favorite woman's fighter. I mean, she's unbelievable striking. Like I said, unbelievable in the ring. Uh, good personality out of the ring. Um, I was watching some of her interviews in preparation for this. You know, she apparently she she likes to buy sneakers all the time. She's always posting new sneakers on her Instagram, new Reebok, new Jordans and stuff. So, I mean, I, I, that's 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 a check mark on the plus side in my book. You like sneakers, <laughs> you're you're already shooting up my ranking. So, that's just a an extra check mark in the plus side there. But yeah, she's definitely my women's fighter. You know, and like I said, overall on a good day, she'd be my top three of all fighters. So, I have high praise for her, and I'm I'm picking her to win. I, you know, probably decision, but if she's really on. And she withstands that early, early, early energy from from the challenger. I think she might be able to finish it in the championship rounds. If, like I said, if if she's on. Yeah, I think we all agree. I think we all agree that if it goes to judges, Yuan is going to win. I think Andrade only has one option, and that's to end the fight early. Yeah, Yuan is kind of like that that technical fighter. You know, she lands so many strikes. She doesn't get taken down. It's almost impossible to lose on a judge's decision. All right, Troy, you want to take us home into the... the table All right, right, this is an interesting matchup. I mean, they fought back in December 2014. Uh, since then, Dos Santos only fought three times, and he's 1-1. One and one. Uh, He beat uh, Alistair Overeem, who just lost to uh, Miocic. And then... He beat uh, Ben Rothwell, so he hasn't fought much lately. And but he is one of the best UFC heavyweights, possibly of all time. He's been the champ, I think, two times. And the only person he can't beat, it seems like, is Cain Velasquez. So uh, Dos Santos is a very good challenger to Miocic. I've watched Miocic a few times. Uh, I'm just not sure like I'm not I'm not sure about this fight I I'm gonna say Dos Santos is gonna beat him I think he's gonna knock him out honestly because 
Dos Santos on the feeders very is so good. Uh, Dos Santos did beat Miocic back in uh, 2014, so this is they're calling this Miocic Dos Santos too. And I'm gonna take Dos Santos again. I'm with Troy again on Dos Santos. I don't. I watched Miocic fight, and to me, I don't know. He's he's won performance of the night. I know the last two or three times out, but. He hasn't been overly impressive, even though, I mean, I'm going to sound very hypocritical here because he's had, what was it, last three fights were first-round knockouts, I think. Um, so it's hard to say that he hasn't been impressive, but I don't know. I just I think that he's going to get caught by Dos Santos. I think he's coming in with a lot of hype, and um, I know Vegas has has them pretty close again uh Miocic is is the favorite at minus 140 but um I'm gonna come I'm gonna pick uh Dos Santos yeah I just never been sold on Miocic I I don't know what it is I just he doesn't bounce off the screen like a lot of other fighters and Dos Santos definitely does his striking I know he's wanted to go to boxing and after the recent boxing heavyweight fight I forget who won that uh they beat yeah Joshua. He wants sure. to go to boxing, but I I don't see that happening. But he is very good on his feet, and I do see him beating Miocic because I don't. Maybe we're all wrong, and Miocic could be a great heavyweight fighter. I mean, he is a champ for a reason. I just I just don't see it a lot of the times. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm happy to hear you say that because I, I'm with you. I just, like I said, he's he has three first round knockouts in his last three fights. So I mean, it's it's hard to argue that he's not impressive. But when I see him, I just don't see it. I just don't see him as being a highlight fighter. And maybe I'm wrong about that, but I can only go by what my eyes tell me, and they're telling me that um, once he once he gets a real challenger. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna stop him, and I think their real challenger is Dos Santos. So that's that's just where I'm at on it. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you guys that um, Stiope doesn't really you know j- jump jump out jump off the screen at you. You know, he's I don't know I don't know what it is. I mean, it seems like none of us know what it is, but he he gets the job done, but he he doesn't do it in a way that's aesthetically appealing to the eye i guess but he does put it he puts his puts his hat on goes to work you know he he gets the job done he has got the job done in the last four fights by knockout um like you said i, I don't know if he's he's a long reigning champion um but i don't know if dos santos is the guy that's gonna dethrone him just right away so i'm gonna pick Stiope. i think um I think the heavyweight fighter that you know eventually is gonna gonna take the belt from whoever it is and run with it for a while is that Francis Ngannou. He's a young and up and comer from like Great Britain or something. I think he's from yeah Paris, France. He's Who's a young that? kid. He's ten and one. Francis Ngannou. Oh yeah. 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 Well, he's thirty. I guess it's not that young, but he's he's only you know he only got eleven fights in UFC. He's been impressive his last couple of fights. He hits hard. He's athletic. I think that's the next long-reigning heavyweight champ. Another guy to watch for is, uh, I think his name's Derek Lewis. He has, he has 
Yeah, yep. he's right under. Yeah, he's, he's right got real knockout, knockout power, and I think he fights Mark Hunt his next fight, so he's another name to watch because heavyweight is just, yep. it seems like it's always changing. I know Miocic, he might have like two title defenses or whatever, but I don't know. Those guys seem to always come and go, and it only takes one punch with those big guys, and who knows, anybody could win, so... Miocic could knock out Dos Santos first round. We just don't know, and uh, he could be a champ for a while, or it could end on Saturday night, and then Dos Santos could lose his next fight. So it's an interesting division, and I think I think they're building up some prospects. Eric Cruz uh, is definitely one of the one of the people to watch. I mean, he's he came out last his last fight was against Travis, Travis Brown, Brown yep. and he just destroyed him, and then he had that entertaining. You know he's very enter- very entertaining, very charismatic. You know he had that interview afterwards, and you know he got kicked in the stomach, I think, and he was holding his stomach during the fight. And they basically just asked him if what was hurting, and he's like, he's like, I just got to take a shit. <laughs> like you know he just said it out, and then uh, and then his post game interview or whatever, or post fight interview, he's like, I wanted to beat up Travis Brown to show him that you don't put your hands on women. You know, so he's just he's just that kind of guy that sort of says what he wants, and he's very entertaining. And I could see them trying to push him along too, and eventually have a fight with with that Nganyu. Um, you know, maybe maybe down the road and later in t- 2018. A, a good matchup, you know, to get get up there for a title shot. If if in fact they do both win their next their next matches. Um, so we made all our picks for two, two eleven. Um, you can see them on the website later this week when we get them up. We'll have our predictions who we think will win, all that kind of good stuff. Um, yeah, so we'll have that up on the website for you. And anything else you want to cover on the card, guys? No, I think that's everything on the card. Like we said, it's a great card. Uh, very good main card, so I'm excited to watch it, and especially with two title fights, uh, it should be a very good card, and a lot of number one contenders can come from this. So, uh, UFC's, I think it'll do great pay-per-view numbers, and it's going to make a push towards the the summer uh, for better cards. All right, so that's our combat sports wrap up there for UFC 211 Saturday night. Another thing uh, of relevancy in the sports world happening this week into the weekend is the Players Championship Golf Tournament. Uh, That will be this weekend. I believe that's referred to as the fifth major in the inner circle. Um, I reached out to two of our golf insiders this afternoon to get their take on it. First of, of the insiders being Dan you remember him from episode one, Mock Draft. Um, he works for a course over there in Cleveland, so he's a golf insider for us over there. He said uh, he's picking Rory to win. He said he's been playing well all year, and now he has the equipment. You know, he has the equipment tuned in, finalized how he likes it this week, and he thinks he's ready to make a push. So Dan goes with Rory, and he also said a sleeper pick would be Kevin Chapel. Don't know anything about him. Kevin Chapel. Kevin Chapel. Dan P. Sleeper pick for the week. Tweet it out. Holy man. Um, and our other uh, golf insider, 
um, cousin Calvin, as he's referred to. My cousin Calvin, uh, he is a golf pro as well. In the summer, he's up in the Hamptons right now. Calvin uh, goes with Sergio Garcia. He said um, the notes he has on him, he's always played solid um, at the course. He said the weather is going to be decent for the weekend. Um, you know, light winds. He said only about 15 miles an hour. So he's going to be riding the confidence in from the Masters, and he threw out a prediction of Sergio winning at 11 under. So that's Calvin oh, damn, and Dan putting on a insider picks. They went hard for one text message in the afternoon. They don't. They, we don't mess around here on Channel 79. I think T's going to put together a just a, a a Twitter vote for the golf, something simple like that. Yep, just a quick note, Rory's uh plus a thousand. He's the second um he's got the second best odds, I guess, is the best way you'd put that. Uh Dustin Johnson has the best. He's only plus seven hundred or he's the favorite. Um who's the other pick? Sergio and oh, Kevin Chappell. He's actually plus four thousand, so <laughs> It's actually not. It's actually not as bad as it sounds. I mean, he's got better odds than like Mickelson and Martin Keimer, so it's not terrible. Um, but I, I would. I've never heard of that name before, so that's definitely news to me. Um, <clears throat> but you know, they obviously know more than I do. And Sergio is uh, plus. 1800 so he's the sec or he's the fourth you know favorite so to speak um and then i i always pick adam scott so it doesn't matter what tournament that's my that's my boy so i'll, I'll go with um give me tony fee now if he's in it. i don't even know if he's in it i'm just gonna go out on a limb and just say <laughs> some random dude yeah Tony Tony Finau. That's who I'm he's taking. Plus ten thousand. Put your money on him. So, yep, he's right there. All right, he's right there with uh, Bubba Watson and some of the and Zach Johnson. Guy, so he's in some good. It's probably the guy Bo's gonna put his money on and it's gonna hit. Pick Adam Scott. Oh, oh, that's your boy. Of course, you pick Adam yep. Scott. Um, I don't haven't looked. I don't even know who's in the field. <laughs> I'd pick Tiger if he was in the field, but I don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon. So I'll pick Ricky Fowler. Is he playing? Yep, he's plus 2,000, so right. he's right Ricky up there. Ricky Fowler, first, Bubba Watson, second. All right, so we had Troy on there. Shout out to him. Uh, just had, had a birthday. Had Ass Act 2. Just graduated, had a birthday. Good stuff happening over there. Shout out to our golf insiders, Dan, Calvin. Good stuff. Uh, cousin I Calvin, I like that cousin, nickname. Yeah, Cousin Calvin. Um, I think we're going to... I think they're going to be on for the, our U.S. Open special coming up in June to break down the U.S. Open golf tournament for us. Um, next couple of weeks, we don't have anything on the schedule, but we're going to work hard for you, get some good stuff in, um, maybe get Troy yeah, back maybe. on. Troy's been on three in a row, so maybe we'll, we'll keep the streak going. Yeah, if you have any topics for us, just tweet us or email us. Yeah, tweet um, us, email us, whatever whatever contact you find, do it up. We're open to contact. Like I said, we're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Um, pretty much if, if it has a podcast, we're, we're there. So find us, tell your friends, tell everybody you know. 
Um, listen, download, rate, subscribe, tweet us, follow us, look at the website. Anything you want to do in your spare time while you're at work, pretending you're working, do it up. <laughs> we appreciate it. Um, yep. And uh, before you go to work, make sure you turn the speakers on so your dogs can hear yeah, us. That's right. We're dog friendly. Um, yeah, we're, we're also cat friendly, except for uh, cats. Cats are kind of creepy sometimes. Or we're, we're cat friendly. We're chicken friendly too. Paul has chickens, so we're chicken friendly as well. We're just pet friendly in general. Yeah, if you got a pet, and and it's a cool pet, we we like it. Um, I don't know. We're all about pets here. Channel seventy nine is a pet friendly. We have. Um, we're gonna have probably another combat sports special. Break down our favorite. Our super mega card UFC fights breakdown oh. Mayweather McGregor. If Mayweather McGregor actually happens, we're gonna have a huge special on that. I know Troy's gonna be a part of that. So we got yep. some good stuff coming down the line. Like T said, if you have any ideas, let us know. We'll try to bring them in. If you're famous and want to come on the podcast, let us know. We'll get you on. Um, and that's it. Apologies, Andy Von Arks.